Welcome to the Probate Mastermind Podcast. These episodes are recorded live once a week and are hosted by the AllTheLeads.com coaches. Agents, investors, and wholesalers join the coaches for everything from marketing tips, sales psychology, live deal analysis, transaction engineering, advanced real estate strategy, and personal development. You will learn to get more listings, more deals, and find financial freedom by listening to these episodes. Be sure to catch show notes at alltheleads.com slash podcast and join our free Facebook mastermind community, All The Leads Mastermind. Welcome prestigious realtors and investors nationwide. Today is Thursday, March 18th, 2021, and this is Mastermind Podcast number 319. A couple things I want to share before we get started. We do have three in the queue, guys. There's room for more. Hit star six and hit one. As most of you, late last summer, we started making this mastermind call at the time widely available on virtually every podcast format, and it's great. Since then, what we found, though, some of our most successful agents are not showing up live to share their wins and their stories. They're listening to it in a more convenient manner. Our win of the week now is also available online. If you do have a win that you'd like to share, it has to either be a a listing you took or a deal you closed, just send your win to support at alltheleads.com or call your salesperson and and share it with them. They always like to hear your positive feedback. I did have two interesting stories this week that I wanted to share. We have a guy in Colorado that's been with us, I think, for nearly a year. He started out with two counties, and then recently he added five more. And just a side note, most of the counties in Colorado, he doesn't get any data until the probate's closed. They have some strange uh, or different confidentiality laws there. So probably by the time he gets the leads, maybe half of them are sold. And he did so well with the two counties, he added five more. And he shared a story this week that he got in touch with an executor. The executor happened to be the actor Don Cheadle from Ocean's Eleven. And apparently it was his home he grew up in or his home he bought for his mom. I'm not real sure. But the really nice part of the win is he shared with us the commission from that one deal will pay for all of his probate marketing for several years. So I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't a, a low-end house. I love that story. And I had another one real quick that I wanted to share. And I think it just illustrates the importance of mindset. We, a county in South Florida which is extremely competitive, probably one of the most competitive areas in the country, and we get about four or 500 leads a month. I had a realtor call me a couple weeks ago, and not complaining, but he said, I've been getting leads for almost six months, and I've only done three deals. About an hour later, same county, I had an investor say, I've been with you guys since last summer, and I've already done three deals. The difference in mindset really impressed me. When I dug in with the realtor. In three deals, he had spent a total of about $12,000 and he generated about 40000 in commissions. Now, that's only a 300% ROI. It's not as good as some of our people. I, a couple of years ago, when we did a survey. We should probably do it again, but our average ROI to the people that responded was about 1,500%. So I guess the moral of the story is, even if you're in a highly competitive market, 300% ROI is not bad. 
And it kind of all depends on how you look at it. So I thought those were two good stories to share. Bruce, before we go to the the queue, you want to give any updates on uh, foundations? Yeah, I actually received the biggest backhanded compliment of my life after the call yesterday. We were on for about two hours and maybe 10 minutes, something like that. It ran a little bit long. But, man, it was powerful. We had a lot of great questions, a, a ton of interaction. And one of the uh, one of the agents um, or investors, I, I'm not sure, that came through the class said, told me that in that foundations class, I had a way of making it, making it, it seem uh, like anyone could do it. And then they commented, and I don't remember the exact words, but they commented that, that I put things so simply and that if you can do it, Bruce, I know I can do it. Immediately, immediately I was like, oh, geez, thanks. And they started backtracking. But it was funny. That's what they uh, that's what they said. And I don't know if those of you that came on yesterday, how many of you feel that way. But that, even though it's a backhanded compliment, and I know it wasn't intended that way, even though it is, that's what you get when you come to foundations. I want everyone to know right up front that as a coach, one of the things that makes my coaching effective and the training that we offer effective is the fact that I really only sold one deal in my first full year in real estate, one. My second full year in real estate, I sold six. And if you're looking to show up and listen to someone that is high, that started off highly skilled with just this naturally smooth way of communicating with prospects and clients and a natural way of getting a ton of business that you might not have that personality, then I'm not the guy that you want to listen to. But if you want to show up and hear how someone who flat out struggled, like some of you might be, how I overcame that and how you can overcome those things, then I, I highly encourage you to join in on the foundations classes. They are every week with the on Wednesdays, with the exception of any month that has five Wednesdays. So it's the first, second, third, and fourth Wednesday. And we alternate between a, a class kind of lecture style and a role play style where we break down individual pieces of your call and put you in breakout rooms to practice those pieces. So um, hopefully hey, I'll see more of you guys soon. Yes. Isn't this the time also where you tell them about the fact that you had to walk uphill both ways through the snow over ground glass and just get your real estate education? Tim, I got most of what you said. Your phone is very muffled, but, but yes, this is where I say I did have to walk uphill both ways to get my uh, real estate education. It was really hard. And this is probably 17 or 18 years into the real estate business now. And if I were to turn all of my focus over to getting real estate deals, either listings or investment deals, I have no doubt with that, that what I've learned would get me a, a minimum of a 5 or, or a 5% conversion rate in the market that I would go into. And, and I have no doubt that I can get the majority of you there, if you're willing to put the work in to learn. So the new tagline, foundation, so simple, even Bruce can do it. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that is. You know what, Bruce, you make a great point, though, and I don't want to belabor it, but as a real estate coach for many years, between the two of us, I think we've got 20-some years' experience, in, in the certainly in coaching and a lot more than that in the industry. The, the biggest mistake a lot of people make is they want to know everything before they do anything, and they want to overcomplicate it. Probate really isn't that complicated. More often than not, you're just dealing with a motivated absentee owner that wants to sell. And so don't don't reinvent the wheel. And the class I sat in on, the just the simple techniques that you're giving people 
should give them that extra layer of confidence that they don't, you know, need to delay getting started. And if you, would you explain how to get involved with foundations if, if somebody's not in it now, whether you're a sub or not? Okay. So if you are a sub, you're just going to go into your All the Leads portal. You're going to click on, currently you're going to click on the um, little drop-down arrow next to training and go to conference calls and archives. And then just pick the date that you want to attend, either foundations or the date that you want would like to attend the role play call. If you're not a sub, and this is not official, guys, so please don't blow us up, but just be paying close attention to this. If you're not a, a subscriber at the moment, it will be available for a very small, very reasonable fee, and it's a really good class. If you're not a part of the Mastermind, just jump into the Mastermind group on Facebook and ask those that have taken it if they got value out of it. So if you're not a sub, it'll be a very small fee. Um, we've not decided whether we're going to make that available in two weeks or four weeks yet, but it's going to be coming up really soon for those of you that uh, aren't currently subscribing to our leads. And if you are subscribing to our leads, guess what? You guys get the benefit of getting it for free. And you just go to the training and look up conference calls and archives, and it's right there. And if you're, you've ever filled out a form on our website, you're one of our leads, and you'll be getting an email when it becomes available to non-subs. If you haven't, go to our website and just fill out a ticket. And you can even just put in there, not interested in the lead yet, but I'm, I'm interested in foundations and we'll get you on a wait list and get you signed up when, when the program becomes available. I think we lost Tim. He's calling back in to try to improve his voice quality. But in the meantime, we have four people in the queue. So let's get to the queue. First up this week is a lady who's been with us for three years and is getting probate plus. Welcome, Joyce. Thank you very much, and I want to say that you almost answered all my questions because they're about the Foundations class, which I am enjoying tremendously. Thank you, Bruce, for all the good information. My question is, may I come to the first and third Wednesdays to hear the information twice? Absolutely. The idea behind Foundations, and it is a, a, a long class, Probably not as long as Mastery, but it's a single class and it is long, and the information from one class to the other isn't going to significantly change. I always make minor variations to, to the delivery and throw an extra little nugget or two in, but the idea is that if I was privately coaching you once a month, it would take me probably eight months to really get you fully up to speed and a really good handle on these principles that I'm teaching. As someone who's coming to the training bi-weekly, hopefully, you should have all those principles completely dialed in in your business within two to four of those calls. So I want people coming more than once. Most likely, you're not going to come to four or five or six of them, but you're going to come to at least two or three for the average subscriber, and more if you like. When I registered, I think my registration only applied to the first Wednesday, mm -hmm. and I was yep. wondering what I do to apply for the second Wednesday. You can look for the email that we'll be sending out weekly with the upcoming two registration links. So that email will always be rotating and always have the next two registration links, one foundations and one role play link. Or you can go in your portal into training and you can just register yourself for the next event. So you can register for as many as possible. Your registration does only apply to that one day but you can register multiple times on multiple different events. And for the uh, second and fourth Wednesdays, are those 
both role play opportunities? Yes. So I want you guys to be conscious about what, what these role play calls are compared to what our role plays have historically been. Historically, you dial in and you go start to finish through an entire conversation with one of us. And this role play call is not designed to do that. What happens is when you go start to finish through an entire call, and I do advocate you guys do that, but what happens is you're really, you might have one piece of your conversation that's pretty good and then a whole bunch of areas of weakness where this is more, if you think back to your days of high school sports or college sports or whatever level you guys played in. I know we have a couple of previous professional athletes as well. You go back to those days and you drilled on the foundations. You drilled and you drilled. And I want you guys showing up to these role play calls because it's really five minutes of teaching where I'll teach a specific principle and then somewhere around 10 minutes of breakout room where you're practicing with two or three other people you're practicing those specific techniques that we just learned in the previous five minutes. So it's not going to be a start to finish role play call. It's going to be a role play call where we might say, okay, here's the principle behind delivering your 30 second USP. Now go into breakout rooms and practice with one another delivering your USP. Give each other criticism, give each other compliments and praise ultimately become much better at that particular portion of the call. So we just do that with five or six different pieces of your probate call so that hopefully once you've attended one or two of those, you've got those really locked in and you're almost an expert at that part of the call. Perfect. And just one last question. The slides that you use are very nice, and I was wondering if you make those available. Uh, Yeah, we can make those available. I'll I'll make sure that the team knows to deliver those as well. Oh, great. Thank you very much, and I will continue to uh, look forward to Wednesday with you. Great. Thanks, Joyce. Okay. Jim? We have three more in the queue. Yep, we have three in the queue. we got plenty of room for more. Next up is phone number ending in 7225. You're up next. Okay, yeah, this is Jerry, and I'm in Colorado. And uh, hey, how's it going today? I was getting the leads in Denver, but... When I, I just didn't feel comfortable in some of the neighborhoods. Some of them were like really high end, and I just wasn't that comfortable with some of the areas. They're great areas, but wasn't that familiar with them. So I moved my leads to Adams County, which is the county I live in, just north of Denver, where I'm sure. very familiar with the neighborhoods and have sold a lot more properties up here than in Denver. And and I know now that the leads come after the probate is finished. My question is, what would be my opening lead? Because I know a lot of these people, I know some people that have properties where the person deceased and they started getting calls like right away. Real yeah, and, and by the way, Jerry, it's not all the Colorado counties. I think it's about two thirds of them. Check with your salesperson and find out. I don't know which, and I think we lost Tim. Tim, if you're on the call, you might pipe in. I'm not sure which counties, it's not 100% of them, but I don't know if Denver is one or not. But uh, Jerry is in Colorado and Tim, I think you're coming in loud and clear now. He's in Denver, and he's assuming, based on what I said to, in the beginning, that he doesn't uh, get the his leads until the probate is completed. I said I wasn't sure if that applied to Denver. Do you know offhand, or should we just and It is unfortunately sporadic sometimes. It, it just depends with the COVID. The reporting has been sporadic all over the place, so we're doing the best we can to just get them all, and... We're finding that sometimes it's not until it's done. Sometimes it is. And so there's really not a solid answer. 
we get it as soon as it's available. That's the best answer. There are some counties, though, in Colorado that, as a policy, we never get That's them correct. until the probate's completed. That's I don't correct, think Denver is one of them. It's gotten to be the case where that's not always the case. What were you saying, Jerry? You were going to say something. My question was, I moved out of the Denver market into the Adams County, which is just north of there, where I'm much more comfortable, much more familiar with the homes and properties and so forth. And if, if the leads come in after probate, that's fine. I want to work with whatever framework I get. But I know uh, I've had a couple of people, friends of mine, where they lost a loved one and a property came into probate. And they were getting calls from realtors like right away. So my question is, how can I, com- how would I be able to compete with those who are call? I just don't want to sound like another guy calling to sell the house. So mm-hmm. how can my presentation be sure. different? Because I, I really do care about these people. It's not just about getting a listing. I really do want to help them. Well, partially, you just answered your own question. And that is that if you're leading with that, if you're leading with, Hey, it's Jerry, and I'm calling. I, I note that you've been appointed the personal representative for the estate of John Jones or whatever, if you're talking to the right person. And yeah. you lead with, don't even talk about factor in real estate. You lead with, I've got a group of people together and we provide services to folks who are facing the challenge of being an executor. And unfortunately, as you already know, I'm sure from being one, that's not something that comes with a good manual. So we're here to help. Yeah. We provide a lot of services. If you got a second, I'd like to tell you what they are and talk with you about that. And you haven't said a word about buying this house. You haven't said a word about listing it. Lead with the value first that you're bringing to the game if you want to differentiate yourself. The other thing I'll tell you is that oftentimes the people who may be coming sooner than you're getting there, the only other place they can get it sooner is that they're literally working the obituary side and it's a shotgun approach. And oftentimes there's a lack of sensitivity in terms of doing that. We've actually been working, looking at obituary product along the way and trying to find a way to do that in a similarly non-predatory, respectful way. But that's how they're getting the data. They're playing the obit side. Got it. Okay. Okay. This is really helpful. I really appreciate that. So, Jerry, just make sure that you're leading with what you made it very clear. You said it yourself. You feel that you're different. All you got to do is communicate that and tell them why and don't lead with the things that you believe in. And that's what's important. Okay. Yep. So and I'm going to chime in on two, two really, really basic things. These are no brainers for a lot of people, but obviously we're dealing with people who have a lot on their plate and yes, they do need our help in a lot of different areas, but it doesn't mean that they're immediately just going to take us up on, on the offer to help. And if left to their own, there's really normally a four to eight month window before they're going to have a house ready to sell for the average person. It might be a little bit shorter if you're getting your leads a little bit later after they've gone through probate. But for the most part, there's a longer window that they're operating on. And you've got to recognize that your competition, if they're hitting them on the phone quickly, it's not very many people that you're competing with. It's a few. It's maybe a tenth of the people that might send them a letter. And they're normally going to hit them once or twice really hard on the phone. And they're going to say, are you going to sell real estate? And it turns the person off, especially if that person's not ready to sell real estate. And then they drop them. And if you're in it for the long game and you're going to call more than twice, you'll really be in rarefied air where you're going to lose all that competition that you have in the beginning uh, because they're just not going to stick with it like we are. Okay. Okay. I like that. That really that really resonates with me. That's who I am. 
Oh, uh, thank you for this awesome. help today. Very welcome, Jerry. We've got two in the queue, guys. We've got plenty of room for more. Hit star six and hit one. We're looking for a live win of the week, hopefully, if anybody has one. Next up is 8213. What's happened, Salvatore? Hey, how are you? <laughs> Fed, right? <laughs> Fed, also known yeah, as Fed. Yeah, yeah. just remember the Fed. That's me. <laughs> okay. Yep. I, I was hoping to have a win, so I'm still dealing with the same, the same person. So I wanted to, to get your guys' advice on a few items. Regarding this this PR, she kind of disappeared on me again. I'm trying to see. So when people cancel an appointment, I actually found this to happen not only with, with PRs, but sometimes even with when I call expired and set an appointment, then the day of, they cancel. And it sounds like it's maybe they're having cold feet or anything like that. I'm trying to understand... Or, or figure out the best way to, obviously you can't force them to meet with you at the same time, maybe in the communication while being understanding, still keeping an open door. But I'm also trying to make sure I don't shoot myself in the foot doing that. Does that make sense? It does. And Fed, have you ever have you ever canceled canceled a sales appointment before where you knew you were going to get sold? I don't know if I was going to get sold, but the sales pitch was going to be coming pretty hard, and you weren't quite ready yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So yeah, that's yeah. that's likely all that's happening is it's not a no, it's not mm -hmm. a flat out rejection, it's someone that isn't um, quite emotionally ready to pull the trigger yet, and they might be a little bit nervous that yeah. the hard close is coming. And yeah. the fact that they canceled, they let you know that they canceled and didn't just no-show you is, an is a great sign. Okay. So I wouldn't really worry about it. It's just a matter of priorities for this person at this point. And they probably okay. have a lot of other priorities that are, are taking place. They're probably dropping kids off at the school and doing doctor's appointments. And most likely they um, are still trying to collect bills and tax season is on them. And they're just waking up in the morning going, oh, I'm really not ready for this yet. And it doesn't mean that you don't do your best to avoid that cancel, but uh, you need to recognize it for what it is. And what it is, there's just other things that are taking a priority for this person right now. Okay, fair enough. So maybe just stay in front of them, obviously, without pushing. I would still ask for Does another appointment. I would still okay. ask for another appointment, and if they can't be there, ask if they'd give you permission to just run over and walk around the property. Say, look, I'm not here to sell you on anything. I really just want to get an idea of some of the things that I might be able to help you with. If you can't make it, could I get permission to go over there and at least walk around? I won't give, I won't have all the details for you, but at least I'll know from the outside what we're looking at and what I might be able to help with. And then say, obviously, if you can make it and let me in for 10 minutes, I could give you an even better idea. But at, at minimum, I'd like to walk around and figure out what kind of pricing you might be looking at and what kind of tasks I could take off your plate. Okay, yeah. So perfect. make it get to where it now sounds... they sell you on meeting you. Okay. Yeah, that that sounds it, it sounds similar to it's almost like a, an extra layer to what you had suggested last time when I was talking about expireds or just sometimes instead of just constantly sending the cards and just staying in touch it was almost I think you had said something along the lines of maybe going to the property taking a picture and sending them an email with the items that you just discussed a rough evaluation from the exterior. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you could get a better valuation when entering. So I guess, would you say it's that you maybe recommend that also for maybe expireds who maybe either are not answering or not getting back 
and or ones that I have spoken to, but are just, they keep the whole, oh, not ready yet, or call me in two weeks, or call me in a week, call me in mm-hmm. 10 days. So maybe I could use that approach as well for those. Yeah, I think you could. Basically, what I want you to think of it as is think of it as a down sell. We've sold mm-hmm. them on a full-blown appointment, and you've got someone clearly backtracking and backpedaling here, probably with mm-hmm. really good excuse to do so. Maybe offer a downsell, and that downsell is not a, an appointment where you present everything that you do and you ask them to sign, but it's just a quick run by the house. Can I get your permission to run by the house? You don't even have to be there. And then say, obviously, if I could get in for 10 minutes, it would help me give you more options. But if you can't be there, then I'll just run around the house. Can I get your permission for that? No, they'll, they'll likely grant you permission. Okay, okay. And just to piggyback on that concept, with so I, I actually had a person for for an expired property. I called a, I, I ended up speaking with the husband and I met with him at the house. He showed me the house and he, by staying in touch with him, he finally said, hey, look, in the end, it's my wife who's going to make the decision. If you can get her to list it, then God bless you. And he gave me her number and her email and I reached out to her. She immediately just said, look, this is a bad time. Call me later today. But we all know that sometimes the later today means you're just going to get a voicemail. And then she texted me a few moments later saying, hey, I know that you saw the video for the property and that you met with my husband. What can you provide that other agents aren't going to provide? That's literally how she left that. So I was almost thinking of approaching it with the the tactic that, that, that we discussed with Jim as well which was the, what I want to discuss may not be for you, but maybe we could talk for a second and let you decide and no pressure at all or something like that. Just because I feel like if they're getting contacted or blown up by so many agents, I don't think that's the approach they're taking. And that may just get her ears, her antennas to come up, at least Mm -hmm. for curiosity. Does that sound like maybe this isn't expired? It's not AER. Well, provided you have a really strong USP, and what, when I mention USP here, I'm not referring to the USP that that we use as an elevator pitch. This is one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I separate the the language elevator pitch and USP. A USP is a clear dif- differentiator in what in the result that you can get for someone. So yeah. a, an example of a USP that, that is used in that way would be, yeah, what can I do that's different than anyone else? I'll guarantee that I'll sell your house and look, I'll waive my commission if I don't sell it in a certain amount of time. Or, um, hey, I'll, I'll send my movers over to pack your house up and, and move you. These are just examples. So what you need to do is have a list of things that you're willing to do over and above the typical MLS and sign listing. Okay. And then I would just say yeah, that to that sense. person, hey, it's really simple. Let's, let's assume... Let's Let's assume that it's a PR and not an expired. So they, yeah. they ask you that question. I would respond with yeah. something like this. Look, it's, it's really simple. Everybody else just wants to buy your house for cheap or put a sign in your yard. I'll actually cut your, make sure that your landscaping is taken care of, your house is packed up, your, anything that needs to be sold is sold. Basically, I'll help you with anything that you need to do leading up to the listing, just as long as I have a right to show you how I can help get you top dollar as well. Oh, love that. Yeah, definitely using that. 100%. Okay, thank you. And last question was actually both you and and Jim brought this up in the last two calls, 
about, the, I think they're called REITs. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing the Real Estate Investment Trust. How I looked up REIT Los Angeles, but there's nothing uh, in particular. Is there, do I need to be more specific think, in the search? I think what you're looking for is REIA, Real Estate Investors Association. Oh, yes, R-E-I. A REIT, yeah, a REIT is a financial instrument. REIA is a group of investors that get together and meet. Real Estate Investors Association, R-E-I-A. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, thank you. Sorry, <laughs> I had two things I wanted to add on to Bruce's great advice, yeah. and I, I think we talked about this maybe about a month ago, and it might have even been with you uh, on the first thing you mentioned. The best way to handle an objection is to deal with it before it ever comes up. So sometimes yeah. you're in a, on a call, and you convince somebody for an appointment, and you can even hear the upswing in their voice, like, okay, come on by. They're not completely sold. Rather than deal with the objection when they try to cancel, and this also could work on people that are just delaying setting an appointment, but you might just say to them, have you ever heard of buyer's remorse? I really appreciate you setting the appointment with me, and what happens to a lot of people, you may wake up Saturday morning and say, what the heck did I do? That guy's coming over to try to talk me into selling my house. I just wanted you to know that if you feel that way, you don't need to because I'm not coming over to force you to do anything. And I promise I won't put any pressure on you. I'm just going to come over and give you some options. And if you're ready, that's fine. And if you're not, that's okay too. So you, if you, so often you sense that somebody's not, they're giving you a verbal okay, but they're not really serious about it. And, and that yeah. technique can work very well too, like I said, on somebody who just keeps avoiding the, the appointment. That was one thing. The other thing, if you want to have a little bit of fun, and this works better in person, but one of my favorite things to do on listing appointments when it'd be a husband and wife and one of them was clearly ready to list and the other one was still obstinate holding out, I used to say, well, you know what? I think the fair thing to do would be to take a vote. I know you vote yes. I vote yes. And then I'd turn to the other one and say, is it going to be two to one or do you want to make it unanimous? <laughs> I would always, I, it broke the tension. I'd always get a laugh. It, it would usually break the tension enough that they'd, all right, go ahead and list. Not always, but it, I just, you just reminded me of that. It probably won't work as well on the phone if the witness is questioning it, but, uh, but try it. Play around with it and see if it works. Yeah, the, the husband already suggested for the four of us, so me and my associate and her husband to meet. That's what the husband, he already said Perfect. yes to the appointment. He said, call her and schedule Good. it. If she gives you the appointment, God bless you. That Those were his words. All right. All right, well, buddy. Thank, thank you, you as so always. Much. I appreciate really it. Fed, thank you. Fed, hang on yeah. for a second. Don't go anywhere. Jim, Jim yeah. just, Jim just uh, spurred a technique in my distant memory. You need <laughs> to know with this person whether they're below. I don't think they're brushing you off. To me, it just sounds like it's not a priority yet. <laughs> but you, ultimately, you do want to know if this is a brush off that you need to re recognize if it's brush off, you might be able to win it. But a lot of times that person that's brushing you off, unless they're just dead wrong on, on, why, on the reason for brushing you off, then it might not be a candidate. You might want to just take your lump and move on to the next lead. So one yeah. thing that you might consider doing is say, pose a binary question to the person. Um, I'm big on binary questions, either or, because it controls the answers that come out. It controls them and narrows them down to one of two different answers. So I might say something to this person like, hey, you know what? I completely understand. And I'm getting the sense that it's possible that maybe you just don't want to sell or you're not looking for help and you just don't really want to tell me right now. 
is that the case? If it is, I'm okay with it. Or is is it really where there's just other priorities and you definitely still want to meet and I'm just misreading the situation? And get them to pick a side. I have no problem asking someone to pick a side. A lot of times they will talk themselves and you into the latter, the more favorable direction. But there, if I sense that someone might want to tell me no and I have to do this all the time and coaching and real estate sales and all kinds of things, I'll go ahead and, and force them into the no. Because I need to know, I, I need to understand if the answer is no early so that I'm not wasting money and time and energy on a yeah. person that I never have a shot of getting their business. That way I can move on and yeah. spend that money, time and energy on someone else. Absolutely. No, that makes sense. I'm actually, I love that approach. I'm going to use that 100%. So I'll keep Thank you guys posted for sure. I'll keep, keep coming back. We're going to have to week so to week, win, win of the week from, from Fed. I can feel <laughs> it coming. That you're, you're doing all the right things, buddy. We got one more in the queue. Go ahead and sign out and sign back in, please. And we'll, we'll take you next. All right. Next up, phone number ending in 5819. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I am out in Baltimore County and I purchased three lists of a hundred each. I had ISL to call on each of those lists. I've had one appointment from all of the phone calling and I need to know now what I can ask ISL to do and also differently maybe and also find out what exactly ISL is saying to folks when they call to try to set the appointments. Because that's why I've only got one appointment in three months and the three lists. And I'm considering having ISL call again. So I wouldn't want them to repeat the technique or the speech that they initially used if that's not being effective. Okay. Um, so I, 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 you're referring to the ISA service, I'm assuming, ISA. inside yes. sales agent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. The ISA service, there's a couple of um there's a couple of things that I want you to consider on an ISA service like ours. For me, I consider our ISA service not to be a Hail Mary, but to really fill in the gaps in your personal prospecting. One of the things with us is we because we're a call center, we have very strict rules on not calling the anyone on the do not call list. You may personally have those strict rules for yourself. Some people choose to call all the numbers that are provided, but immediately, just based on the do not call list, I can tell you that our ISAs are only going to be calling the 15 to 25% of people that are not on the list. So uh, if you call everybody, you're immediately going to have a higher result just because you're calling a lot more numbers. Our ISAs, their goal is to just get you an appointment. It's not always a listing appointment. It's, it's an appointment. And the, the dialogue is pretty much the same from one call to the other. I, if you were going to have them do another round, I really wouldn't look to have them change it up because their job is not to sell someone on the benefit of um, a probate team and the benefit of uh, vacant house insurance and the benefits of all these different things. It's simply to turn a conversation over to you. And when I have an ISA call, that's all I want my ISA doing, whether she's called them five times or one time. It's the same general approach. Uh, is it worth a conversation with Bruce? And if the person says yes, then I take it from there. 
I think I'm going to drive back to the point that an ISA should be complementary to your prospecting. It should not be in place of your prospecting. And if, if it's a time issue, I understand having an ISA. If you have the time to make calls yourself and you're just a little bit hesitant as to the language and the dialogue that you need to use, then jump in on the probate foundations calls and the role play calls because we'll fix that really quickly, make okay. you really comfortable on the phone. So that's going to be the biggest thing is I'm going to encourage you to start picking the phone up yourself. And if you use us or any ISA, just let them compliment and fill in the gaps where maybe you, you are lacking some time to, to dial yourself. What you're saying in effect is, yes, number one, call myself, but also not order a second round of calling by the ISA at this juncture. Cause that um, would be not, not exactly. So I have no issues with you ordering a second round of calling, but that second round of calling, if you're going to do it, it definitely does not take the place of your calling. I'd like to see you calling twice for every time that an ISA calls if I had my way. I think that you're going to be much more effective because your market, your offer, all the things that you can do to help a family where the ISA has just a general knowledge of how to get you a potential phone appointment. So uh, if you're going to get a second round, let's make sure that you're also calling more often than the ISA is. I'm curious, the one appointment you got, do you expect that you're going to get that listing or no? The gentleman is living in the house with his wife. The person who passed away was his brother. The gentleman indicated that there are a few things that the house needs fixing up that he can do himself and that which he cannot do He'll have to hire someone, and I'm to call him in the middle of April, which will give him time to fix the things that he can fix. And at that juncture, I would call him back again. And I have it on my calendar to call him. Not a problem. We had a very good conversation. My point being, go ahead, I'm sorry. I will refer whatever it is he needs fixing at this juncture come mid-April. I can recommend someone to do it. Okay, so it may not be that he's going to sell the house, especially since they live there and they're seniors. But if I can get in a a technician or or someone to fix the things that he needs to have fixed and establish a relationship with him, he already told me that he has a relative in Virginia who needs to sell the house. Okay, and I know that's how to create new business. So not a problem. Yeah, my my reason for asking, like I started the call with a gentleman down in Miami, Florida, who I'd done three deals and still had a 300% ROI. It's not to get one deal in your first three months is not, it's not great, but it's not unheard of. Keep doing what you're doing. Often it takes a while for these people to be ready to do something. The cumulative effect of keep on making your calls, Bruce said yourself and the ISA and the mail, if you started out with one every three months and hopefully you can exponentially increase that as you go. It, it doesn't take a lot of deals to still have it make a lot of sense. Don't overlook that. The, the fact that it's at least you've got one deal already. It, it, that, that's not a horrible result. It's not the greatest, but it's congratulations on getting an appointment. I guess fo- focus on the positive. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying. Let um, me ask you something about, first of all, thank you. But now another sure. round of mailing, at which point do folks choose to use a postcard as opposed to the letter? Uh, so I'm going to tell you that you should constantly be making adjustments. Let's say every six months, making adjustments to your mailing campaign, trying postcards out, trying letters out. 
Historically, letters play better than a postcard, historically. But every market is different. And the, I've found that the busier the, the people in a city or a county are, the, the more chaotic their life is. And anytime you get into a city, it typically gets a little bit more chaotic. The busier they are, the better postcards play inside of your marketing campaign. So if it was me and if I was doing postcards, I would just add a separate layer on top of the mail campaign that you're already doing. So I'd leave my letter campaign in place. And I would throw one to three postcards just on top of it to drop in on them on a particular schedule. And if that means they get a letter one day and a postcard the next, so be it. But I wouldn't eliminate a whole bunch of letters. I would add a postcard into what you're already doing. And I'd probably add two in. And if you'll forgive me, I'm just going to go ahead and address a couple of things all at the same time. And then we'll let you ask another question if you have one. Your lead told you to call back in the middle of April, always cut that in half. If I, I find that a lot of times when I call back at the time that someone says that they'll be ready for me, they're going to answer and go, hey, thanks for giving me a call. I just sold the house yesterday. So cut what they tell you in half and don't call to pressure them into doing something right away, but call to check in. Hey, you told me that you'd have things done in April. I just wanted to see how the process was going for you. And yeah. Get that out of the way so that they can at least tell you, hey, I haven't done anything at all. And if they haven't done anything at all, then you can take charge of the things that need to be done. You can come over and arrange a handyman with them. If they've done a whole lot and they're way ahead of schedule, then at least you're in front of them before they go sell the house with someone else. So I'd call now. And I lost my other point. It's okay. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Yarn. One more, in, one more in the queue. That should take us nicely up to the top of the hour. It looks like probably last up this week is phone number ending in 2729. Hey, good morning, guys. This is Bill Janiga from Michigan. How are you? Great, good Bill. Day. How you Good. I've got one interesting comment, and then I have a question. I ran into a gentleman last week at the courthouse, and one of the sheriffs there had pointed out in the lobby to me, he said, you may want to go ask this guy. Long story short, his house or his dad's house is going to go to foreclosure and there's nobody's name on a deed, so it's probably going to go to probate or it's just going to go to sheriff's sale. So I asked him what situation. He started telling me that this is all illegal and they can't do it because he's the member of the League of Indian Nations of North America. And I said, really? I haven't heard that in a long time. He goes, oh, yeah, your rules and laws don't apply to me. And he showed me an ID card that looks like it was made at the local print shop that he has a tribal number and our rules and regulations don't follow them. I said, the only thing I can tell you, you need to find a probate attorney very quick because otherwise what's going to happen in six months, your house is going to be gone. And two weeks after that, there's going to be a sheriff and a moving company at the door. And he said, they don't have any legal right to do that. I said, try it out and see how it works. So I just thought that was interesting. It's the first one I've seen in a long time. With someone being now, it's not on a it's not on a reservation. It's not tribal land. He just happens to no. be a, okay. Yeah, I'm not an attorney, but I think I don't think that's going to apply. I think just being a member of that group doesn't. I don't think would keep a property that he owns elsewhere from being foreclosed. He wasn't making the payments. It's that's how it was interesting. I thought that all gone away long. Yeah. Time. This is my question for you. I'll give you the facts very quick. A couple was married in the '60s. They are still legally married at the time of the person's death. The house was bought in 1995. 1998, the wife and husband separated, took her name off of the deed via quick claim deed. 
Subsequently, the husband got mortgages, refined, so everything is in his name only. In 2004, the wife bought her own home. In 2020, the husband started to get sick, had a quick claim deed drafted, transferring the interest to the wife. It was not a recordable upon death deed. To the ex-wife, right? Yeah. They never divorced. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. In Michigan, Dower Rice went away about two years ago. Okay. Her name wasn't on the deed, so we couldn't brought that up. So 2020, they had an attorney draft a normal claim deed, but it was never recorded. In 2000, late 2020, he started to get sick, went into hospice in January, passed away in February. The value of the property is too large to qualify for a small estate. So only two issues left that I could see, and I referred them both back to either an elder care attorney or a probate attorney. Quick claim deed was never recorded. And when I spoke with registered deeds, they would not accept it, which I understand. And when I talked to them, they said, basically, because the estate no longer has any authority to make a direction as to what happened. So it's an unrecorded deed. And if the only thing is left then is a normal probate. When you look up Michigan law, it says the judge will assign the property to whoever. But then to cross the definition of an assignment from the judge, is that the same as an inheritance? Because it's inheritance, then they have a step-up value for cost basis for the property. Any thoughts? So what's the question? What do you do or how do you move forward? The question is because the cost basis then. If the property comes normal probate, is the cost basis from what you understand to be the present market value? Or at the time that that's way above my pay grade. <laughs> okay, I've run into situations where deeds have not been recorded frequently. It does not uh, invalidate the deed. The deed is the deed. Now I'm not going to speak as to the cost basis, but I'm assuming that she went back into uh, onto on maybe not at the courthouse, but she went has a title ownership, and I'm assuming that might invalidate the cost basis. Now, you do need legal and and accountant and accountant's opinion on that. But just because that deed wasn't recorded does not mean that it's not valid. I've sold many houses where the person pulled the deed out of the out of a shoebox and the county didn't have that deed. So The problem Bruce like it? in in it does vary because I've run into it a lot in Florida and you're right, the deed is still valid but it's virtually impossible for the new buyer to get title insurance if the deed wasn't recorded prior to the death certificate. So I, I think it, Got it. it, even though, yeah, even though it's valid, it, it makes it hard to insure the title in Florida, at least. But yeah, I, I think you made a good move sending him to an attorney. Boy, the cost basis, I have no idea. That's just, that's a CPA question, Bill, that I, I don't know. Because yeah, in the IRS publications, it specifically states that the property is acquired through a quick claim deed. The cost basis is at the original purchase price. So even mm-hmm. if he would allow her to record it after her husband's death, then she's really stuck with the cost basis, which there's about a $100,000 difference then. And that was my suggestion about her making sure she had an attorney that would work with the CPA or find one of those law firms in which there was an attorney slash CPA or at least have one of both of them in the same office. Yeah, that's a complicated issue. It's one where I think that I think that you've done right in referring them. Thanks for the question. It I, I wish we had a better answer for it, but the oh, reality okay. is I didn't hear back from. Okay. Yep. I need their way on this one because I did talk to them sure. about having it appraised by licensed appraiser rather than my CMA because the property's too weird 
and especially with, in our crazy market right now in Michigan to give her a fair value. So I let that fall on the shoulders of the appraiser. So it came in with a number. There's a neighbor that said he would purchase it for 10 grand more than that. And they said, what would you do? I said, well, I'll buy it at the same number if the neighbor backs out, or I'll just be more than glad to handle the listing for you. So either way, I'll get something in the end. But my concern, obviously, is to my client to make sure that they get you said something, Bill. You win either way, and and your client wins either way. Also, if she inherits one hundred and fifty thousand, has to pay thirty percent taxes. It's still better than not getting the inheritance. I appreciate you trying to do what's best for her, but yeah, I would include a good. And if you got a good attorney, he can probably refer you to the correct tax advisor for that advice. Right. There is one firm that I've dealt with in the past where. The one attorney is also a CPA, and there's other CPAs in their group. It's about an eight-man office, and they do have advanced tax planning. And that was my recommendation. I said, now, I know what his billable rate is. It won't be cheap. I said, but at least you'll get solid advice. And that's where we're at right now. I don't know what she wants to do. But that was my recommendation to her. Yep. Okay. All right. Good job. Well, I appreciate your yeah. All right. Yes, we have one more one more in the queue. Do you have time or should we call it a day? I have four minutes. So if we can make it fast, I can go. All right. Very quickly, phone number ending in 4357. How can we help you? Hello, this is Bob. I um, just got my list last night and I actually was able to get it mailed off or at least sent to my mailhouse. And I have yet to do any calling, so I've been on the uh, foundations calls. We're not going to have enough time. I was wondering, when is the appropriate call to do the full role play? Because I've been working on my uh, greeting and pattern disrupt and everything from the last couple foundation calls. So I wanted to know when is that appropriate to do that. Ah, so we haven't picked a um, specific time for a full role play. We basically replace the full role play call with the bi-weekly um, role play where you're building your individual thing. We're having some conversations about whether and when to roll out kind of a start to finish role play session. I don't want to promise that it's coming out, but we've had conversations about it. What I would do in the meantime is I'd jump into the Facebook mastermind group and ask uh, who else wants to role play. There's always at least 10 or 15 other people that have been asking me for uh, role play partners. So if you go into the Facebook mastermind group and say, I'm looking for a role play partner, you'll get several. And then I would just, for now, organize your own private call with them. Okay. So these Thursday calls are not meant for role plays then? No, we, uh, we're doing it on the first Wednesday of every month, but right now the first Wednesday of every month at that exact time is the foundation's role play okay. where, where it's just piece by piece. All right. I'll jump on the Facebook page now. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Perfect. Guys, as always, I want to thank each and every one of you that showed up today. I want to particularly thank those that actively participated. And I want to challenge everybody, take one idea that you heard on today's call, go out and put it into practice, and please come back next Thursday and share your results with the group. Have a great week. Talk to you same time next Thursday, everybody. Take care.